Welcome uh, to all of you who are going to jump in uh, with us to Facebook Live, our first uh, lunch hour with Renault. Uh, we're super excited to be able to utilize this as a space um, for us to be able to come together. Um, though geography may separate us and life sure. and schedules may separate us, um, this is an awesome uh, way to utilize technology to just be able to get together and have some great conversations about what it means to follow Jesus uh, yeah. and, and to live uh, on mission with him uh, for his glory. So yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, very excited to be here and uh, so excited about the opportunity over this next year to be able to really uh, engage in a space where we can pick all sorts of real-life issues that we're dealing with in our workspaces, in our neighborhoods, in our family dynamics, uh, whether it's relationally based, whether it's circumstantially based with our resources, or just the calling of God and how we'll be able to take those and over this year really unpack some great things. And I think for me personally, uh, so excited that you guys will be able to interact with us um, via your questions and comments so that this really does become more and more of a conversation rather than just uh, two talking heads on a stage. Right, absolutely. So. Well, what we'll do is each week we'll take um, a topic, and sometimes that topic will be connected to what we've been talking through uh, during our weekend gatherings. Sometimes it'll just be uh, something that we need to wrestle through and talk through, um, you know, maybe a current event that's going on, uh, maybe just an area of discipleship that we want to grow in as a church. And so uh, it's going to be a, a great time uh, to be able to get together in this way and do that. So yeah, we're going to have fun. Well, um, let's take a little bit of time and, uh, and walk through what we're going to talk through today. Um, during our Vision 2019 series, we talked about what it's going to mean for us as a church uh, to be with Jesus and to spend time with Jesus uh, in prayer specifically over 2019. Um, and as we do that, um, out of that, flowing out of that, is going with Jesus yep. and sharing who he is uh, with people in our circles of influence. And so we talked about evangelism, that over the last uh, 15 years at Mosaic, we've, uh, by God's grace, done a great job of being a gospel presence uh, in our city. Um, but just sensing God's call to be more of a gospel voice um, within uh, every opportunity that God gives us uh, to, to declare who Jesus is uh, to our friends, our families, our co-workers, and all of those things. And I and think, so, you know, I feel like in many ways, um, being a gospel presence uh, can't be separated from being a gospel voice. So as a church, we've been both. But I think where we've lacked is in uh, the real equipping of the saints, which is you and me, all of us in being able to effectively uh, verbalize, clarify, share, um, and, and help people essentially get to know the gospel, the redemptive story of God and Jesus who affected that gospel for us. So uh, I'm very excited about being able to spend a year really equipping us, us being equipped together, to be able to be confident and have clarity on how we're going to walk into any scenario, any relationship, and be able to, when the opportunity presents itself, because we're being a gospel presence, right. share the good news, the great news of the great redemptive work of Jesus. And so, yeah, yeah it, it's super exciting, and I'm very excited. Yeah, it's going to be great. Now, we have a few people that have already jumped in with us. Great. So we have um, Patty Tyndall uh, on Aunt with Patty. us. Uh, Aunt Patty, as uh, my family knows her. And uh, we've got Obi is on with awesome. us Obi, as well. Hope you're enjoying your meeting, buddy. He says you're looking sharp. Oh, uh, well, thank you. So that's very... I do it for you now. 
very nice. That's I, very I wore nice. I wore some red shoes in the lobby one time, and he thought that was super cool. So now I'm I've transitioned. <laughs> Thanks, Obi. From from flip flops to shoes. I mean, I might go back to flip flops in the summer a little bit, but I I feel like I want to impress Obi. <laughs> <laughs> That could be a real DNA issue for our church, for sure. Probably. Um, I think we have. I'll Gabe. wear flip flops sometimes. Don't worry. We have Gabe Forsyth, our our pastor of mission, hey, on with us as well. So, but yeah, so let's jump into our conversation together. And um, guys, as you're watching, feel free to um, comment. Feel free to ask any questions, and we'll try to get those uh, as as we can. And so, um, make it a conversation. It'd be great. But um, as we've been talking about what it means to step into evangelism as a church, one of the first things that I, I start to think about um, is, you know, like for all of us who are thinking about sharing the gospel with a friend or a family member, I think there's, there's certainly an intimidation factor yeah, sure. that comes to play. Um, you know, the idea that it's one thing to know the gospel for ourselves and to have some clarity of the gospel for ourselves, and it's maybe a, a, another thing to have clarity to be able to share the gospel with somebody in a way that's clear to them, um, that yeah. you know it, it makes sense, that that maybe we know you know we know what we're talking about, and that there can be a little bit of a disconnect. And so, what would you say, um, you know, that for the average person at Mosaic, what does it look like for them to become clear on the gospel so that they can? feel confident to be able to share the gospel with their friends and family members. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, to your point, Jill, uh, having a gospel clarity, really a comfortability, I would even move it to a comfortability that you're so clear on it and so comfortable with the beautiful details of the gospel that it is a natural part of conversation with you. You know, I, I think about, you always see this in typical everyday talk when you're in a conversation with somebody and then you, you, you touch on a topic that they happen to just be really, really clear on. Uh, you, you're in a conversation and you bring up a type of a car and someone in that conversation just knows cars inside and out. They light up immediately. They, just, they start talking cars and they know all about different cars and they can bring stuff to the table. They, they didn't prepare before that conversation to go, oh my gosh, I got to brush up on my knowledge of cars. It is a passion of theirs, and so they just know it. Or sports teams. I mean, that's always the big one, right? I mean, yeah. you bring up college football in the right circles, and boy, suddenly 17 names are thrown on the table, and who's this, and who's that, and who's doing what, and who's been traded for that. And, and if you don't know much, you're sort of like, whoa. And, and with that comes a great deal of passion. So I do think having a gospel clarity, just purely a quick knowledge of the gospel, isn't enough. It's having it be so much a part of your regularity of conversation with others who are in the biblical community, the preaching of the gospel to yourself, m meaning simply digging into reminding yourself of the beauty of the gospel so that it becomes a part of what you're passionate about because you actually are, but our, our real areas of passion are that, that is that stuff that's in front of us all the time. So in order to find yourself passionate like that, I think for many of us, it is initially just gaining a real simple clarity of what the gospel is, because I think we know what it is, just like I know that there's cars on the road and I can point out that they're different and I can generally tell you that's a Chevy, that's a Ford, but I don't know much about each car. Right. I think in general, we know what the gospel is. Jesus came, he died, he rose from the dead to save us from our sins and his death on the cross. Uh, took care of the payment for our sins, and now we're saved. Okay, so, so we got that. But what is the theology behind the gospel? Uh, what, what, is the, what are the details in terms of understanding what actually took place? What is regeneration? 
uh, or justification, sanctification, glorification. Do we know what these words even mean? Not the words. Not that we need to use the words themselves when we're in dialogue. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily. But throw but understanding those around, what right? they mean, and sure. And then the narrative of the gospel, or the story of the gospel. Uh, what is creation and fall, and and then rescue and redemption? And so I think part of what we will be doing here at Mosaic over the next year, in fact, one of our Facebook Live sessions in the next few weeks, we'll probably spend some time on going through the details of the theology of the gospel and of the narrative or story of the gospel so that all of us have this deep sense of clarity and comfortability with what the gospel actually is, what its sequence is, what the story of redemption, the details of redemption actually are. And when you, when you, when that happens, I'll tell you, for me, that was really the, the, the gift of Bible college and studying, getting ready for ministry was actually that I found as much as it equipped me to preach and do the things church requires. When I'm just with a friend chatting and a gospel opportunity presents itself, I'm so comfortable with the gospel so familiar with all of its beauty and its nuances that it's just a natural part of conversation like you just said football and I love college football yeah. and it just goes. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that um, you know we're going to start to see this year unfold. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to all become more and more equipped. I yeah. think yeah. Um, Victoria Grace, who's on here with us, said equipping classes are a great space for this. And yeah. Victoria, absolutely. you're absolutely right. And uh, you know why we believe what we believe and even in a, uh, a class on apologetics and yep. the defense of the faith yep. will be super, super helpful. And I think this is a good time to stop. Uh, we, we've got Felicia. Uh, Felicia. She, uh, she's with us today. We've got Nick Frankfurt is with us. Um, we've got uh, uh, Nat Natalie Lopez, uh, Christina Nick, the only bummer is that you can't give me a hug in the lobby after we're done here. <laughs> every, every time I walk out after a sermon, Nick's always in the lobby ready to give me a hug and say hey. So yeah. great to have you on, Nick. Um, yeah, so yeah, Natalie Lopez, uh, Christina hey, DeCristofano is with us, Danny Connor, Jane Dennis, Rob Sullivan. So we got a crew uh, that are with us. What's up, guys? Uh, great and, to be with uh, all of you today. Man, Thanks for taking this hour out of your out of your day to spend with us. This is fun. And guys, uh, like like we said, if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, chime in, and we'd love to, to uh, jump in on those for sure. Um, kind of the second thing that we want to really talk through is beyond having a clarity of the gospel is uh, the reality is the world that we live in, a lot of people can be very quickly turned off by someone talking about their faith. You know, the whole adage, uh, you know, never talk religion or politics um, and where we don't want to uh, be a turnoff with people, um, how can we be the type of people who are not off-putting as we do share our faith uh, with others? And what are some pitfalls that we can kind of avoid in yeah. that? You know, um, as many of you know, uh, we have talked a lot here at Mosaic Church about the idea that when we are engaged in sharing our faith with others, with the motive or the um, or the uh, idea that we want to convince or convert for the sake of having them understand or believe, then immediately that just starts getting weird. Only because um, we are constantly uh, either conversing with one another in relationship about the areas of our passion, the areas that we love, right. or we are trying to sell something. Like that tends <laughs> to be the case, right? We're either coming in with an agenda or we are just talking things we love. And I, and I think 
you, you see it so much in conversation. The everyday conversations that nobody uh, is offended by is generally when you're getting into areas of passion. Uh, sure. In the middle of a conversation, something comes up that you just love, and so you start talking about it, and then that generally actually creates connectivity. And even if there's disagreement between two people, because it's an area you both love and you know that's just a conversation about your areas of passion, you can agree to disagree. So, I mean, I do love in this nation the high level of passion for sports, right? right and so in each season, uh, the conversations, I love listening to the conversations. I mean, it looks like two people are fighting with each other, yeah. but they're totally not. They just both have a love for football or a love for baseball or a love for basketball, and they are disagreeing about details uh, in the reality. Right. When those conversations take place, it feels very much like I'm sharing myself with you, you're sharing yourself with me. If I come in, even in a sports illustration, for example, and I'm coming in to try to convince you of something you need to know and believe about my team, that's when the conversation changes. <laughs> and it stops being a great fun conversation and it starts being a real argument because you're like, no. And eventually you, you see people walking away kind of, what an idiot, right? So I think a lot of it is how you communicate your passion. No doubt. Is, no a, doubt. is a huge key. So I think coming in, if you walk in initially to say, okay, I got friends at work and they've got to know Jesus. So I'm going to strategically figure out a way to go in there and tell them all about Jesus. Though I want my friends to know about Jesus and I should have a deep heart for them knowing be Jesus because of the freedom he affects, there is a subtle difference between it becoming a task for me, an agenda for me, uh, something to accomplish, something to attain, something to check off a box. Yeah. All of those things will automatically change the conversation that I'm having with others as a tone and a, and a, and a, a zeal that isn't from my own passion, it's a zeal to accomplish the task of converting you. Yeah, and I think in our society, in our culture, like we are 100% uh, able to sniff out somebody who's selling anything Absolutely. to us. And you know, when, when somebody is just trying to skis their way into a conversation with me about anything, yep. I, I automatically put my guard up. Oh yeah, 100%. Um, and I think that if, if that's what we're out trying to do, then we're not going to go very far. And and honestly, the sad part is often we bring, um, you know, shame's probably the wrong word, but we yeah. bring uh, disrespect to the name of Jesus and to the cause of Christianity yeah. when we behave in that and, way. And, 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 and the reason that happens is because we have this reality, the gospel, the redemptive story of God, the work of Jesus that has set us free. And this, we don't have to sell it. Right. It's great news. Right. Absolutely. And here's what's even better. It's not just great news. If it was just great news, that'd be one thing. The scripture describes the preaching of the gospel as a power in of itself because the one who is actually causing someone to encounter that gospel from a spiritual perspective, someone who has, who's dead spiritually, has to encounter this gospel. That one, the Holy Spirit, is actually the power that is going to make that gospel known to someone. Right. So, so here's the really good news. We don't actually have anything we're trying to sell because it's already great news and it is already in of itself powerful. So what it, the gospel, and then he, the Holy Spirit, will do together in the heart of a man or a woman or a child that we are sharing our passion with is plenty powerful enough. 
Yeah, and, and really, they have everything to gain. Like the people right. that we're sharing with yes. have everything to gain. That's A right. relationship with God, eternal life. Yeah. We really don't gain by yeah. sharing yeah. the gospel with people and we other also, than to just participate that's right. in the And we story. also have to remember we are sharing according to scripture with someone who until they encounter Jesus and are made alive, they are, they are dead spiritually, right? Yeah. Just like we were dead spiritually. So I, I have to sort of imagine in my head, my assumption should be when I'm sharing with someone that the initial encounter is going to be for their soul, like a what? Yeah. So the point is this, that when I come in with an agenda or some task to accomplish or some some thing to to finalize like a spiritual box to check yeah then i'm then i'm selling right i'm selling something right. that doesn't need selling yeah but when i am so familiar with the gospel because i spend time constantly reminding myself of it when i'm at church on a weekend and i'm worshiping the words of these songs that we sing the gospel's all over them and i'm like Yes, I mean, that's amazing. And I'm walking out of here feeling the tears behind my tear ducts, kind of like trying to hold them back because I'm like, what God has done for me is mind-blowing. And then during the week, if I'm in devotions or I'm touching base on things, I'm, I'm being reminded of the great mercy of God. I can tell you right now that in a conversation where the slightest bit of something comes to the table, like we talk cars and you love cars, you're not going to pounce on it like, my opportunity has arrived to convert you. <laughs> You're just going to do what humans do. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, I go to church. So someone right. says, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think church sucks. Yeah. You're going to go, I, I totally get it, but the church I go to doesn't. And then what you're going to immediately get to is this, because what I've discovered there. And when that's happening, honestly, I have... I have found it extremely rare, almost non-existent, that when I'm just in a conversation talking about what I've discovered and what I love, I can bring the gospel in all of its detail, like I'm trying to convert someone, but it's constantly in that man. And then this, and, and I love this about it, and I, I'm blown away by God in this way. And you know what's really cool is he's done this not only for me, but for all of us, and he's done it for you. Nobody ever goes, stop talking religion, because we're not talking religion. We are talking life and we're talking faith. Yeah. And so that, I would talking say... Talking about our personal yeah, experience that little that. that. little saying, I think, stands. I agree with it. Yeah. Talking politics and religion is always a disaster. But talking faith and life is, a is never story. a disaster. Yeah. So great. let's talk faith and life. That's great. You know? We got a huge crew of people with us. Man, it's so fun that we get to do this together. Um, we've got uh, Lisa Gilbert in the house. Lisa! From from Tennessee. Is it, is it freezing up there? I, I feel like it's colder than um, down here, although I'm it's cold. I'm sure it here. is. We've got Lisa LaFette, Dennis Doe, Jack Kirby. What's up, guys? Uh, we've got Kim Reed, uh, Takesy, I think it's her last name, Jody Davis, uh, Christine Richard. We've got uh, Lynn Mon. Hey, Lynn. What's up, Lynn? Uh, Jordan Greenwood. Uh, we've got Lana with us, uh, Andy Hurley. We've got Tom Hayes. Hey, Tom, congrats on uh, Brenna's recent marriage. Yeah, we're, the pictures are amazing. We're very excited for Brenna and, and Joey. It's awesome. We've got Michael Alexander. We've got Chris Chan with us. So uh, uh, Michael says hi. Jordan gave us the, uh, the wave emoji, uh, which is a lot of Jordan. fun. So, uh, but we're excited uh, about this conversation. And if you're just joining us, uh, we're taking a little bit of time together and we're unpacking um, just some of the ins and outs practically of what it means to be uh, engaging and sharing our faith and being a gospel voice in our community. Uh, some of the things that we might feel a little bit hesitant about, 
um, some of the uh, ways that we can be the types of people that are uh, uh, that draw people towards Jesus and not push people yeah, away absolutely. from Jesus. And so we're having a, a good bit of conversation around that. And so if you have any questions about evangelism, about sharing your faith, um, man, put them, put them in there. Um, I, I think uh, it looks like uh, Eric Pop has a great question. He says, how do you personally exercise fearing God over fearing man. So talking about the fear of man, yeah. especially uh, when it comes to evangelism, the fear of man is absolutely a reality that we need to overcome. And uh, how, does that, how does that play yeah, out for you? That's a great question. And, and honestly, uh, and we'll get into this a little bit even as we travel down, the fear, the real fear, I think, of man is the fear of rejection, right? Absolutely. The fear yeah. of the awkward yeah. post-conversation reality that you've now affected. And then the fear that that personal rejection of that one person then starts spreading around the office. And I mean, look, we fear it because we've seen it happen. You talk to a friend at the office, and then suddenly the, it gets super awkward. Then they go tell the other people in the office, watch out for Joel. Yeah. He's one of those Bible-bashing psychos. And now suddenly you're in that space. And so... The fear is very real, yeah. um, and I think uh, what the first thing to recognize is that if we're honest with ourselves, our fear is not the, the response of the person as much as it is the struggle with our own reality and value when we're rejected. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is this, that we do need to continue to converse about how do we recover from conversations that don't go well so that it doesn't become a we shared the gospel with you, you rejected it, now we're not sure how we can be friends anymore. Right. Because that's been one of the big misses in the past, I think, is that there's this, you build a friendship and then there's this moment where you share the gospel and it either goes well or it either doesn't. Kind of like you you, you date for a while and then you either break up or you get married, right? <laughs> I mean, like, and I'm like, it's not that way, folks. Right. Like our friendship with people is not dependent on a single conversation of disagreement about faith. Mm -hmm. And so I think even in the way that we talk faith and life rather than uh, religion and politics for that matter, uh, lends itself to ongoing relationship. Now, having said that, I think that when we talk fear of man versus fear of God, I wanna remove both of those from the table actually. And, and I, I know what you meant by fear of God, but this idea that the invitation of God is to carry this great news and great real experience we've had of, of being redeemed into our everyday life and just to live it out and share it as it is appropriate in conversations because we're passionate about it. So there is not an obligation on our part from God as we theologically understand it because God is the one doing the work right. and he's allowing us to participate. So I kind of go into evangelism not with, gosh, I hope I get this right because God commanded me to go do it. I go, I get to do this because God has saved me and I'm super excited about it. Yeah. And then in the rejection side, we get to have these conversations with people and, and if it doesn't go well and we are rejected in terms of the message, we remember two things. They're not rejecting me just because they're rejecting the gospel I brought. They're actually rejecting Jesus. Right. And Jesus and he's said that. plenty big enough yeah. to handle that. Yeah. He doesn't feel all sad and sitting in a corner right. like, oh my gosh, another person. And Jesus said, you know, you're blessed when people reject you on account of me. On account of me. Right. So if we can go in with that mindset just saying, they're not going to reject me. They're going to reject Jesus. And when they do, I can still be friends with them. I can still say, hey, 
no, I, that's totally cool if they're like, man, pl please, I don't want to talk about this again. Then you go, that, that, that's great. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But yeah. ultimately, make sure that when you're engaging in gospel conversations that you're aware that it may not go super well. And if it doesn't, be that person that immediately kind of is able to recover and say, hey, like, this is my life and my faith, and it's part of being my friend. Don't worry, I'm not a Bible basher. Don't worry, I'm not going to come back to work tomorrow and try to convince you anything. If we're going to be friends, and this is one of the things I found a lot when people start getting awkward with me about sharing my faith, I just make it about me. Just like if I'm going to become your friend, your interests, your loves, eventually I'm going to have to get to know them some. When I met my wife, I hated coffee. Like, I couldn't stand the stuff. Love drinking tea. Met her, she was a big coffee drinker. I wanted to uh, get to know her better. Guess what I started doing? I started engaging in conversations about coffee, but I'd say things like, coffee sucks, and she goes, no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> like, yeah, it does. So our conversation started actually with polar opposites. I didn't like pretend I loved coffee. But then eventually the conversation was, you should try some. And then eventually, I now drink coffee and actually own coffee shops. And so it worked out super well. The bottom line is, I tell people all the time, to be my friend is going to, in part, be a part of the, my, my faith journey because that's who I am. And that's okay. Just like being your friend is I got to get to know football a bit if you love football. Yeah, so. absolutely. It's great. Well, we got a lot of really great stuff happening on Facebook Live that definitely want to address. So uh, Angie Fowler from Scotland is with us. Oh, my gosh, Angie. Which is When are you coming back to visit? So, Bring your hobby. So fun. So fun. And uh, Dan and Jane Dennis are with us yeah. as well. And, What's up, guys? Uh, Dan just mentioned, hey, pray for my mother and father, who we have tried to witness to for 35 years. I'm not confident in their faith as they are closer to the end of their lives, um, and they seem further from God. Uh, I've been praying for wisdom. Thanks. You know what? Can I speak into that for a second? Yeah. Because um, actually, um, we live in similar circumstances with our extended family dynamic that some of them, uh, especially parents, um, it's a very difficult space because when you engage as children with your parents, especially adult children, and especially when they've lived long and it hasn't been a part of their life, that is an incredibly difficult and awkward space. And so right. for Brooke and I, uh, there are two things that we've found that have been helpful for us. Certainly, we continue to pray for opportunities where we might be able to make the gospel known verbally with our parents. But we're, we're careful with that because, honestly, it just ne never goes well in that particular uh, relational dynamic. So what we've done is three things. One, we've prayed that God would allow our life to be very reflective in, in, in their story. That we, we intentionally, whenever we're living around them, live both the freedoms of the gospel mm -hmm. and in the beauty of the gospel as much as we can. Second, we've been praying that God would send peers into their life and, just to be honest, participating with God, not only prayed for peers, but talked to people we know that know Jesus, that know them, that are also their age, going, you need to go yeah, tell them. Plant them because, yeah, so we actually are actively looking for people. Mm -hmm. When we get to know their friends, we look for people that might know Jesus that we can kind of go, we can't, but, but you can. Right. And then he, here's the last one. And this is trusting God's sovereignty. But for me, I, I've said to Brooke, if we live a life where they see the gospel in us for decades and they hear it from us on occasion and doesn't go well, and they hear it from a friend or two because we tell them, what happens on someone's deathbed when they're actually faced with the reality of life and death? If God is sovereignly affecting the gospel work in someone, I believe that part of why we know Jesus and our parents are a part of who we impact 
is that if nothing else on their very deathbed, as they shut their eyes, none of us will ever know, maybe in that moment, because of the life we've lived and the things we've said that seemed so hostile in the moments, will be the very catalyst to cause them to go. I want to believe what my son or what my daughter has told me all these years, and I see it in them. God, if you're real, I believe. And I'm going to trust God for that. So for, for you guys, I, agree, I, I feel the weight with you. And let's also feel the hope that, thank goodness, their destiny is not in our hands as humans, but in God's hands as yeah, sovereign. So be praying with you guys, man. A couple of really uh, great pieces of, of insight and questions. Um, Kirsten Harrington asked, but doesn't the Great Commission command us rather than invite us to make disciples of all nations? So what would you, how would you make the distinction between, you know, the, the command of Jesus to go and make disciples and the invitation, as we often say, uh, to participate with him uh, in that story? And why do you use that language? Yeah, it's a great, um, it's a great question about it. Um, one of the beautiful things that I found about the way that God deals with us is that he recognizes our limitations. He recognizes our fragility. He recognizes that we live on a planet of sin in a body of sin. And so all of the commands that he gives us uh, to, to live a holy life, mm -hmm. to uh, don't use words that are unwholesome, but only talk that builds up. Uh, don't, don't do these things, do these things. Right. Live in the fruit of the spirit, walk by the spirit. There is this command that says, this is what I want you to do. But as we understand the grander scheme of the gospel, as it's impacted us, we realize that those commands are his calling for us to participate with him in our own sanctification or in the redemption of the world, right? So the reason I use both pieces of language is because though they are an obligation insofar as we follow Jesus now, they're also an invitation. So mm -hmm. I would actually say I'm not saying it's one or the other. Right. I'm saying it's both. Yeah. It is both a command and an invitation yeah. because the command itself is the invitation. I have no business sharing the gospel with people. We are so and, undeserving I mean, for that, I have no right? business yeah. uh, participating with redemption. I have no business making disciples, and yet he has made me to do that. So... The, when I use the word invitation, I mean in the big picture. We have been invited to participate with God in our own sanctification, in other words, our, our own spiritual journey, as well as in the, in the redemption of the world. But while we have been invited to do this, we know God is doing the work that will finish in me, and God is doing the work that will make all things new. God's invitation into that is by commanding us to be a part of it. So are we obligated to the to the the gospel to Jesus to participate with him yeah yes if we don't do we lose his love for us do we lose no we don't so it's both an obligation and yet an invitation right. so it's both that's awesome that's super helpful um, so this is really really uh, great insight from uh, Leslie Aziz uh, she says, one thing Renault said two Sundays ago was something like this. There's a difference between preaching the gospel, as in Jesus sending us out as sheep among wolves, and practicing works of mercy, like caring for orphans and widows. Yeah. I'm so scared of the idea of evangelism. I don't know how to separate the two kinds of works in my thinking. I think you touched on it, but if you have any concrete verbal distinctions, I would appreciate it. So I think yeah. she's really just yeah. uh, keying in on, you know, there is a difference between being a gospel presence yeah. and being a gospel yeah. voice. 
uh, the gospel voice thing is a scary thing. Yes, it um, is. And, and, and the distinction is incredibly simple. When I share with somebody the details of the gospel, whether in their theology, you know, a regeneration, justification, uh, sanctification, glorification, or in their narrative, creation, fall, rescue, redemption, restoration, when I actually share with someone, here's what Jesus did, here's who Jesus is, or who he says he is, here's what he did, here's how that relates to me, here's how that relates to you, that's a gospel voice. Yeah. Like, I'm sharing the gospel. Yeah. When I am making the gospel known by the way that I love people, by even the way I might share with them that my faith in general terms, I believe in God. God has done great things for me. I do what I do because God loves me. Like why you tie the, the why when I'm, I'm caring for orphans that's and right. widows. When I'm tying my life, the life I'm living of service, of caring, whatever, to the motive that is Jesus, that's being a gospel presence. I, I would even argue to a certain extent that a gospel presence requires a bit of a tie, right? Because if I just go out and I'm just kind and I just leave, other people are kind too. That's not necessarily a gospel presence as much as just living my life. But when I'm able to tie it to the, my motive, that's a gospel presence. Right. A gospel voice is actually sharing the actual gospel with someone. This is who Jesus is. This is what he did. This is how it impacted me, impacts me, and this is how it can impact you. And so it is scary. Yeah. That's why we're spending this year, not this day, but this year, right. learning together how to be a gospel voice without becoming a bunch of little salespeople. Yeah. Yeah. And Leslie, you know, to, to speak to that as well, I think, um, you know, sometimes when we think we have to share the gospel and we think of it as a presentation and we think about it mm -hmm. in the way that people might respond to it, it is very intimidating to think of it that way. Yep. And I would just encourage you, you know, to start small. I mean, uh, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. And so we want to uh, start with one step at a time. And maybe that looks like, um, you know, sharing a bit of your personal story and how God has impacted that. Maybe that's yep. a start for you. Um, and, you know, maybe uh, the next step from there is sharing your personal story and then sharing the story arc of the gospel, the creation, fall, uh, rescue, restoration, yep. maybe using the story app, um, you know, and you take one step at a time and say, okay, um, God, as your spirit works in me, I'm going to be open to being obedient to that. I'm terrified and I think it's okay to say, God, this scares me. This intimidates me. And um, in fact, uh, Jesus addressed that. He, he said to his disciples, hey, don't be afraid when you stand. And, and this is like, the, you know, next level stuff. When you stand in front of the magistrates and the government and they're, they're going to persecute you, don't be afraid in those moments because in those moments, the Holy Spirit will lead you uh, and give you what yeah. you need to say. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I, I am so uh, grateful for people like yourself, uh, Leslie, that are just willing to say, hey, this is terrifying. This yep. is hard. And, and I do think, too, the more we can begin to blend our personal story and our personal encounters with the gospel to the gospel details, 
So, uh, like you said, starting with things like, you know, one of the greatest discoveries I've ever discovered on this planet that has blown my mind is that there's actually a creator who made me with a purpose. Yeah. And it has meant the world to me to discover that. The Bible actually reveals, and then I'm suddenly in creation right. and I'm jumping into. Right. So, when, again, I think the scary part, and you said it well, is you develop a good presentation, you go in with that presentation ready, like you're nervous in front of a crowd. And then you run the presentation and they either clap or they boo. Right. I mean, I, I'm scared already. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to avoid. 100%. We're trying to help the already clarity of our own personal experience have words so that when we're telling our story, we're telling his story yeah. and we're giving details on the words. So another great question. Um, Lana Ruth asks, um, what do you say to a son who thinks the faith he was raised with is an unintelligent, make yourself feel better about dying religion. His Duke religion classes ruined him. We pray, uh, love them, him well, and keep inviting him and his family to join us on Sundays. Do you have any suggestions for him? <laughs> Let me just start here. Welcome to the current cultural shift, right? And, and, and I'm gonna say this. Though it is a very scary place right now because we're seeing more and more people have access to very intelligent, well-articulated information that seems to break down the typical apologetic, and when I say apologetic, I mean defense of the faith. Uh, there's incongruences in this. The Bible isn't what they said it was. This, you go to these college spaces and, and it engages in that. And the typical defense of the faith that we've brought to the table for the last 50 years that has worked well. Mm -hmm. One, because frankly, you weren't having conversations with these incredibly detailed little nuances that you can't keep up with. You can compete, but you can't keep up. You required tremendous amount of knowledge to keep up, which somebody that has had the luxury like me to study for a long time has, but in your everyday you don't. Uh, that shift has forced us as a church to begin to say, and I, I don't mean Mosaic Church, I mean as a church hall, and a lot of books are coming out on this now, to say that we have to rethink uh, how we articulate the gospel to people, not to repackage it so it's better, but the need that they have to hear from the gospel has shifted from a mostly intellectual evidence-based to more of a just watch life and experience God. Because remember, the Holy Spirit is not a figment of our imagination. He is real and alive and he works in us. So for our kids that are going through, you know, the religion of old, I don't totally blame a lot of them because they're growing up in churches oftentimes was very systematic. Yeah. And so the system just got changed on them by a professor at Harvard right. or Stanford or, or, or UCF, or, wherever, right? Yeah. What we need to do is say, okay, then how do we continue to be a gospel presence and continue to share the beauty of the gospel story in our space that they begin to see in us? Oh my goodness, this isn't just something you've intellectually believed. It's something that I see transformation in. Yeah. Now here's the one other piece of the puzzle. One of the best things that I do with people that are typically uh, have the take of intelligence, right? I talk to intelligent people at Harvard and they don't believe what you non-intelligent people believe. Well, then introduce them to some really intelligent people that do believe in Jesus. And I have a number of them that go to this church, and I've got a number of books and podcasts and others that are 
incredibly Absolutely. intelligent that would blow their minds. Yeah. And, and here's why that's very important. Because honestly, we have kind of perpetuated, honestly, to this generation because of the way we talked. We never wanted to compete in the real intellectual spaces because we were afraid if we lose there, then they will abandon their faith. And there was some validity to that fear in that we thought the, the, we thought the competition was intellectual. Yeah. Oops, it's already happened. We have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's not intellectual. He's power. Yeah. He's God. He's creator. Yeah. So we have to begin to behave more intelligently. Right. We have to begin to engage in spaces of the fields of arts and science and other things, Absolutely. which FYI, I love. I love philosophy. I read philosophy. I love pressing myself into books that dare to believe opposite of me. In fact, I have had an amazing journey, quite honestly. Uh, there's a gentleman in our community, um, is a dear friend now. He deconverted because he went through a journey like you're describing with your son. And I mean, he didn't just deconvert, like read a, read a book, abandoned. He took three years and jumped in listened to a ton of stuff and eventually concluded, I don't know that I can believe this anymore. Yeah. So we, through a set of circumstances, started meeting. I have been meeting with him for over two and a half years now. Yeah. Every book he read, I have skimmed, some read, some skimmed, <laughs> just gonna be honest. Um, and every podcast or video he watched, I've watched. And, and Brooke, at one point, my wife said to me, like, aren't you afraid that you're gonna look at all this stuff and eventually like you're gonna deconvert. I mean, she was she g genuinely had a bit of a fear that I'm like, man, this stuff is really well put. Yeah. And I, and I said to Brooke, the God I serve, if he's real, then I am not afraid that the faith he's given me, that he authored in me, that he will bring to completion will fail me now. Yeah. There's a supernatural component to that. But yeah. I'm not going to fear intelligence over the power of the gospel. So I'm going to I'm going to engage and through that engagement and reading all that stuff and looking at Jody and I have had incredible conversations. And I will tell you, my faith is stronger than it's ever been, but I've engaged on an intelligent space. Now, I grant, I grant you, you immediately say, well, you have the luxury to study and know stuff and went to Bible college. And so what about me? I can't compete with my son and his Harvard professor. Yeah, but the Spirit of God can, through you, make you a great gospel presence and the passion you have for Jesus can bleed out. So pray for him. Keep being Jesus for him and introduce him to some really intelligent people that can compete on his playing field. Yeah. And it's not as though like if we have smarter people in our corner than them, yep, whoever right. them is, then we win the battle. It's just demonstrating that intelligent thinking people can come to the conclusion that there is a God. He created us with a purpose. That purpose was lost through rebellion and sin and that Jesus is the answer. Like intelligent thinking people come to that conclusion. Yeah. It makes me think about the C.S. Lewis quote, that if my faith is a house of cards, then God knock over that house of cards yes. and then rebuild it again. Yes. Because if our faith is blind, if it's just we believe it because our parents told us yeah. um, or because we're afraid of dying and we want some sort of get out of death and, and, and you know, jail free uh, eternal security with Jesus. If that's what our faith is built on, it's built on all the wrong things anyway. That's right. that's right. And that ought to be deconstructed in our lives. And yes. we ought to build our faith on the foundation of what God's word clearly teaches us. Yes. And so, um, 
just a, just to kind of pause a little bit, um, you know, we talked about a, a, a term deconverted yeah. uh, in there, and that's kind of a, a term that we don't use around here very very often. Uh, but just to kind of clarify what that means, I mean, this was a guy yeah. who who was a Christian, who was yeah. f- who would would have considered himself a follower of Jesus, and now who considers himself not a follower of Jesus, but he's an atheist. Yeah. Um, and 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 so you know that is a that is a reality, and for those people. Um, for those who God has called and the Holy Spirit has sealed and all of those things, we stand in confidence that he will bring those people back just yeah. like the prodigal son. Oh, believe me, I've, t- I've told my dear friend Jody, and I mean, Jody laughs with me on this. And so but I- I've told him, you know, Jody, the one the one disadvantage you have is that uh, if you are a prodigal, which is what I believe he is. In other words, you are wrestling with big things and you've that you will end up back here right and he'll laugh and go well i guess if you're right about god then then you're mm, right you're right because right. he'll acknowledge if i'm right about god then his journey will inevitably bring him back and, yeah. and what a confidence we have that people that deconvert either were not converted in the first place they had a religious experience but right. they have not had a transformative experience they're not sealed or they are and they're doing a prodigal thing, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, God's response to the prodigal son wasn't reprimand when he returned. It was welcome home. Yeah. And so there was a clarity that the father had let the son. I mean, when the son asked for his inheritance, the father could have said, no, no. I know what you're going to do with it. Right. So there, there's this beautiful relationship we have with God that says, I author your faith. I finish your faith. You journey in your faith. And sometimes you will journey well, and sometimes you will journey badly. Yeah. But I have compensated for that with my grace. Yeah. And not that there won't be giant consequences for our stupidities, yeah. but that one of the consequences will not be God's abandoning of us, yeah. just like he didn't abandon the human race in the garden. Um, I, I, I will also just say this, and this is probably a good time to bring this in. You know, there's a, a giant shift that has taken place in our cultural context in terms of people's encounter with the gospel. There's a growing number of people that grew up in church they did not have a gospel encounter. They just grew up in church with the church experiences, and now they are kind of abandoning the faith, kind of like your son, kind of saying, you know what, that was stuff of childhood. I've abandoned it now. I don't really know what I believe. I don't know that I believe anything or everything, but I'm I'm content and I'm journeying. And um, their children then, which is the emerging gen now, are growing up in that space of never encountering church, never knowing uh, or experiencing anything of the gospel. So it's kind of like what I talked about on Sunday briefly when we talked about evangelism. We're in a space where when we encounter people that we are being a gospel presence or a gospel voice for, oftentimes they're coming at this with no plausibility or context for plausibility. You remember I mentioned if you were here for the sermon, if you go to the Amazon jungle and you arrive there and there's a tribe there, and you say, and they say, how did you get here? And you say, uh, in a metal box, I flew in the sky. And they think you're crazy. But then if 10 more of you show up and you all flew in the metal box and there's 10 people in the tribe, when there's more of a joining of spaces, there's more space for plausibility. And eventually when one or two of the tribe come with you and fly on the plane, they experience that. They come back to their tribe and they're like, dude, it's real. Yeah. It's hard for the tribe now to go, not plausible. Mm-hmm. In the same way, We are called more than ever in our community to introduce our friends, our family members that may have either um, just sort of uh, left church or were never in church or have deconverted or feel like it's an unintelligent religion, to introduce them more and more to our friends that do know Jesus, to create a space where you said it really well. 
the the clarity isn't I'm more intelligent than you, so I win. The clarity is intelligent people know Jesus. Yeah. So therefore, Absolutely. there's a certain level of, of plausibility to this. There's something to it. If if a hundred people that seem normal, that don't seem like they're cultish and they've just they they swallow everything hook, line, and sinker, mm-hmm. but they're thinking people, they're philosophical, they they argue, they talk, they believe this. They're good at business, good at, good at art. That's right. Good That's teachers. Right. That's right. Good bankers. They can whatever. dialogue about many things, sure. right? Um, when when our friends that don't know Jesus meet our friends that do know Jesus, and there's more and more of a equalizing of the playing field of plausibility. Yeah. That's a huge win. You know, um, Obi, uh, who, who's been on, I don't know if he still is, but um, he uh, he's a radio host, and, and so he used some of his platform to start this thing called um, uh, Sons of Thunder. Mm-hmm. And it's super cool. He gathers a bunch of guys, some from his circle of people that don't know Jesus, some from his circle of people that do, and he gathers them for a night of hanging out and eating and talking for no other reason than to create the, and facilitate the space for gospel conversations. Yeah. When those gospel conversations happen, they're not intimidating. Like when you by yourself go to a coworker or a group of coworkers that don't believe Jesus, because then you're the guy with the tribe that flew on the metal box and the tribe's going, what? Right. But when, when you and your friends are hanging out with the 10 friends from the tribe, and they're also your friends, and there's relationship, then the gospel conversations begin, become curiosity conversations. Yeah. So. Bringing a friend to church, for example, is now a part of how we share the gospel with them. Not to bring them to church so that the pastor can share the gospel with them. That was the old school thinking. It's bring them to church so they can see all of these people that are normal, thinking, intelligent, plumbers, doctors, lawyers, uh, hairdressers, people that do normal stuff. And yet they seem not just like they're here believing what the pastor says. They're passionate. They're engaged. Yeah. That is now a part of our apologetic, uh, our defense it of the faith. It lends to plausibility. It lends to plausibility. So yeah. I would just say this, that as we encounter a society more and more uh, uh, disconnected from the foundations of who Jesus is, we have to create more and more spaces of plausibility for them to right. be connected. Right. Again, flying on an airplane is real and true. Whether it's real or true isn't the point. It's not plausible to that little tribe and until they see it in 10 other people and one of them experiences it and tells their tribe it's not plausible but once that happens then what is actually true can become also their reality and what is actually true the gospel we we our hope is that it becomes the reality of those friends that don't know jesus yeah so well we've got about 10 minutes left and we have uh just an awesome crew of people that are watching thank you guys for jumping in with us uh, we've got a couple of questions we want to get yeah, to. If yeah. you're if you're just jumping in and you're wondering what we're doing, uh, we're having a conversation about sharing our faith and uh, being a gospel voice. Uh, we're going to be doing this Facebook Live uh, event uh, called Lunch Hour with Renault every Wednesday, unless otherwise uh, we'll we'll post and let you know we're not doing it that particular week. But each week we'd like to come together around some form of a conversation that will lead us. Uh, to a greater depth and maturity as a people. And uh, and it's going to be an awesome thing. And, you know, we only have 10 minutes left on this one. Yeah. But we're going to be dealing with this idea of sharing our faith for the next two or three weeks. Yeah. And so even questions you may have if you're back on one of the next two or three weeks, we'll be revisiting some of what we're talking about in even more detail. So you'll have opportunity. So speaking of some of the things that people have jumped in on, so Rachel Miller uh, Rachel, who is up. Uh, I love that you're in New York, but I do not want to be there right now because it is freezing. Very cold. But uh, she said, I have been meeting people daily who have never had 
any teaching about Jesus in America, yep. in New York City. And I think um, a lot of times, especially because we live in the South, Florida is kind of the South, but not. Yep. Um, we're kind of a part of the Bible Belt, but not. Yep. Um, I think we have a tendency to believe that everyone we're going to talk to has some frame of reference, but we're finding that to be less and less, less, and less the case. Yeah. And some of the stuff that yeah. uh, Barna studied yeah. um, and that, that you brought to the table. Yeah, I mean, I think Orlando is number six on the most de-churched city in the country. It's number nine on the most unchurched. unchurched. So, so folks, people in our city and, and the people you do life with, many of them either didn't grow up in church or briefly did, and they abandoned it because right. it made no sense, which means they didn't have gospel encounters. And so to, to Rachel's point, I think we are going to encounter more and more people that have no bearing. When Brooke, my wife, came to know Jesus, she was at UVA, uh, Campus Crusade crew now knocked on her door. If you'd asked Brooke, so she grew up in Northern Virginia, in high school, in America, went to UVA. And as a freshman in UVA at the end of her freshman year, had never heard the gospel anywhere. She didn't grow up in church. And when someone told her about Jesus, like she thought Jesus was a cuss word, legitimately, just one of the many cuss words you use. That was sort of more of an exception back then. It's more of a rule now. And so we need to know we're going in with, with that perspective. And that's why the personal encounter we have the with the gospel is far more important to communicate now than the intellectual nuances of the gospel. They're both important, but the, my gospel experience becomes so much a part of helping people see and experience the beauty of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So um, Sandra asks a great question. How would you distinguish evangelism from discipleship? And what would you say discipleship should look like in our modern day and culture? Okay, that's a great question. And I, and I would actually say it this way. If discipleship is this umbrella here, evangelism is one piece of the discipleship journey. So discipleship is the bigger word. Evangelism is the smaller word under discipleship. In other words, discipleship requires, as part of its journey, someone to come to know Jesus for that to be ongoing, right? right? So to make a disciple is to say you're turning a human that doesn't follow Jesus into a human that does follow Jesus, which means two things. Evangelism doesn't turn someone into a follower of Jesus fully. It starts someone as a follower of Jesus. It's the moment on the beach that Jesus says to Peter, drop your nets and follow me. Peter knew nothing then. He didn't, hadn't seen the miracles, hadn't experienced the empowering, hadn't walked on water, didn't know that Jesus was going to raise from the dead. He just said, this guy seems like someone worth following. Three days later, he could have abandoned that. But the, 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 so the evangelism is a necessary part of discipleship, but it is in of itself not discipleship. Discipleship can't exist ongoingly without evangelism yeah, because I mean, evangelism, evangelism is one of the like it's like the first step. Of it's the first step of discipleship, and I would say this: it's one of the early steps, right? Because discipleship can be a a journey towards someone coming to Jesus. But any version of discipleship before someone comes to know Jesus, we would term as evangelism. I am evangelizing you. I am bringing the truth of the gospel to you. Once you receive that truth, I'm now in an ongoing discipleship relationship. It started when I started evangelizing you. So discipleship and evangelism is a piece of that, right. but an integral piece that can't be separated. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Kim asks, I would like to hear ideas on how to simply bring up spiritual topics in everyday conversation. What are, what are some of the ways um, that, that 
people can can engage in spiritual conversations um, and and that feel like natural. Yeah, that's every a great day. question. Yeah. So I would um, I would say I have two primary spaces that just m- make sort of no-brainer, uh, make it a no-brainer to, to bring up spiritual conversations. The first is, if you're part of a biblical community, part of church, that's a great way to just be throwing that stuff on the table that you have a faith journey. And here's what I mean. When your church does something cool, bring it up in conversation. When we do our prom night, right? Like that week in your workplace or with your neighbors go, oh my gosh, it was so cool. I was on Facebook and I saw my church's prom night was so awesome and all these people were dancing and they turned the sanctuary into an awesome like gymnasium and turned in a dance. That is a spiritual conversation in that you are putting on the table. I'm a church goer. I love my church. The people of my church I do stuff with do fun stuff. and, And if you do that in regularity, the inevitable end is always that the people you're talking about regularly, after the sixth or seventh time you bring up your church and how awesome it is and what you do, or, man, I went to church this weekend, and, man, the, the pastor said this thing that just hit me, and it was so awesome. And then you bring about something that inspired you to be a better coworker. And so what I try to do is I look for things that are about me, that I enjoyed, that are transforming me, that are of benefit to you, and I'm bringing them up. That's a great way to start spiritual conversation in terms of making it a normalcy. So I would say this, over a three-month period, if I in regularity am saying to a, a neighbor or a coworker, a friend that I'm with regularly, I'm bringing up transformative things that happened to me in church or transformative things that happened to me in small biblical community settings, missional communities and so on, by the time faith questions come to the table, it's already been a natural part of our conversation. I'm not saying this, you don't know this, but I go to church (laughs) and I believe in Jesus and I've never told you and we've been friends for six years. Sure. It's like, no, you've known this all along. So I would say personal transformation on a weekly basis, things you encounter, neat verses you heard, or events or things that happen at your church that are super cool that you love. It gives people the opportunity. I think one other thing that um, that can lend to this, Kim, to answer your question, uh, we're actually uh, going to be speaking about at length on Facebook Live on February the 6th. Yes. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, active kindness, active listening, active wondering, and active, and active sharing. sharing. And how they work together, not separately. Yeah, so definitely, Kim, tune in on uh, February 6th, and we'll have that conversation at length because a major part of this process and of this journey of bringing up spiritual conversations is not simply only just telling people what's going on in our world, what's going on in our life, but extracting from people in conversation about their story. Yes. Do you know everyone's favorite subject on earth? Themselves. Yeah. So it's start, mine. start asking people about themselves um, and get to know their story, get to know their life. And we'll talk about uh, at length on February 6th, how to begin doing that. So uh, we're getting ready to kind of wrap up our time together. Uh, It is three minutes until one. We could do this for another two hours. I feel like we just scratched the surface, but that's what the next few weeks are about. Yeah. So So, um, truly, thank you all of you guys who uh, have taken your time to step in and to be a part of this conversation. Our hope is that this is the beginning of an amazing journey together um, that we will grow together. It's also helpful for us. I mean, I would say um, as, as you guys are chiming in, asking questions, it's so helpful for us because you guys are living this life for Jesus 
uh, in your homes, in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, in your spheres of influence. Um, you know, when when it comes to evangelizing our coworkers, I mean, I try to get Renault to become a Christian, you know, but it's very difficult. It's because he doesn't yet know how to present it well. I will, I will <laughs> learn. I will learn this year. Just um, but, you know, for us, uh, we live in a different context. And so it's just so helpful for you guys to be able to chime in and, and help us, uh, you know, gather uh, insight from your experiences so that we can be better at equipping you guys, the saints, to do the work of the and ministry. even commenting like some of you guys did, Rachel, thank you for yours. And b- because it, it helps because we're not the only ones out there either. And so as you guys, as questions come and you have thoughts on those and you throw them our way and we're able to say uh, that like, like Rachel did about meeting people on the streets that don't know Jesus, it's just helpful because we want this to be a, a communal conversation. So Angie, by the way, uh, over there on the other side of the planet and just, I'm, I miss Angie. It was so yeah. nice to have you on. Yeah. And so, yeah. So fun. And the rest of you. But, you know, we see you more regularly. Well, we will, uh, we will be back next week. Uh, same time, same place. So jump in. It's going to be a great time. And uh, we will chat with you all soon.